It is lovely to be with you on this beautiful evening as we gather together to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Before we dive into our Christmas sermon this evening and spend a few moments in a particular text, I just want to say thank you. We found out as a church just over a month ago that the Westside Food Bank uh, here on the West Side, which takes care of feeding people who are struggling to feed their families, was short on supply and stock. And so we reached out to them and asked if we could help out, how we could help out. After all, we are Jesus people. And they told us that the way we could help out is providing cereal. Cereal is shelf-stable. It goes a long way. It will meet needs for those who are struggling with food this season. So we said, sure, we would love to. And they said, well, how about if, you know, how many boxes can you give? And we said, well, what would be helpful? And they said, I don't know, like 400 boxes would be incredible. And we said, we can do way better than that. So we set a goal to have 1,000 boxes of cereal. And if you were here last week, when you arrived, you saw it just everywhere in that entryway. And so uh, we gathered that all together and we sent it to the Westside Food Bank this week. And we prayed about it every week, wondering if we would meet our goal. And as of tonight, we will have given to the Westside Food Bank 1,009 boxes of cereal to the Westside Food Bank. Now, we don't celebrate that because in any way we feel like we're trying to, you know, get a little, you know, jewel in our crown. We don't do it to earn some sort of sainthood. We just want to be generous because God has been so generous to us. He commanded us to take care of those who did not have food. He said, when I was hungry, did you feed me? And we want to be the kind of church that can turn to Jesus and say, yes, Lord, we did. All right. Well, let's dive into a text together. If you're in your program, it, uh, the program, the title of the sermon is The Birth of Jesus, but the text is in Luke. We're not going to be in Luke this evening. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, the text that Joe just read for us a moment ago. So if you have a Bible, and maybe you have a Bible in front of you on your phone, which is backlit and everything, open up to Isaiah chapter 9. What a year it has been. I want to recap some of the things that took place this year because it's remarkable to pause as we head to the end of the year and to think about what has come before us. We began the year 2021. The capital was stormed. Shortly thereafter, the stock market was taken over by internet day traders. AMC, GameStop stock. Texas froze over this year. Do you remember that? Supply chain troubles arrived. The number of immigrants crossing the border surged. College athletes started getting paid this year. And sports kind of returned. The Olympics were completely empty. The Delta variant came and then kind of went. Life expectancy fell 1.5 years on average in the United States. Inflation soared. Boosters arrived. The economy slowed down. And now we arrive here on Christmas Eve with an awareness of Omicron. 
What a strange year it has been. We live in fear-inducing days, which makes us look forward to the future and to ask ourselves the question, what next? What does the future hold? Will inflation continue to rise? Will benefits be cut in our jobs? Will we be safe from the virus? People we love and care about, will they be okay? And it causes us to ask questions about where we will look for, for comfort, for hope, for peace, and for joy. What is it that people are turning to? When Isaiah wrote these words in Isaiah 8 and in chapter 9, he was writing to the people of Judah. And Judah were under attack by the Syrians. And in the midst of their fearful times, Isaiah in Isaiah 8 verse 19, the Lord says this, When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Well, in, the, in Isaiah chapter 8, the question is, people are turning to spiritists and mediums in order to figure out how to make it through the days. We turn to other things these days. Just a few months ago, my family was at a bookstore. Those do exist, although they're few and far between. And I picked up a book on crystals and the power of crystals. And from about 20 feet away, a young woman who was working at the bookstore looked over and saw that I was reading a book on crystals. And so she said to me, are, are you interested in crystals? And I said, well, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about crystals. I'm sort of interested. The truth be told, I was reading the book mostly just to humor myself. But she got very excited in the middle of this bookstore to tell me about crystals. And I, I said, well, what do you know about crystals? And she said, well, I'm just getting into crystals. And they've been immensely helpful. Now, I assumed that she, while a young lady who worked at the bookstore, probably was not a very educated person. I asked her what she was doing, you know, at the, working at the bookstore. And she said that she was going to school at one of the major universities in our area. And I asked her what she was studying, and she said, science. And I was flabbergasted. She said that she's recently gotten into crystals, and she takes crystals that have particular kinds of, in her eyes, power, and she hides them in people's places, in, in people's um, cars and in their rooms, in her life, in order to bring about that good energy, to bring about that kind of comfort. Well, this story would be really funny if it wasn't so troubling. Because while we may live in a city where people look to crystals, crystals don't bring the light that we need in the midst of our dark days. Isaiah 8 again, verse 20, says, Consult God's instruction. And the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. No light. No understanding. Do, do you see how helpful light is? 
right? It's so how we're moving it around as we speak to make sure that we can see that we're on the same page. The Bible says no light means no understanding. And we look lots of places for light. But where shall we find it? We have in our world a spiritual hunger. You have a spiritual hunger that is not satisfied apart from the true light of the world. The next verse in Isaiah chapter 8 says, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land, and when they are famished, they will become enraged, and they will look upward. They will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. That would be our reality today. This bleakness, this darkness is real for so many in our city. But Christmas. But Christmas says something different. Christmas says that into the darkness, the light of God has come. Isaiah chapter 9 Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to, in just a short time, just a few moments together tonight, focus on these four names that are given to Jesus. These four names in Isaiah that are speaking of the Son who is coming, the Messiah. The light of the world who is coming. The one who we've gathered together tonight to celebrate. These four names for him in Isaiah. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. First, Isaiah says that Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor. Not just Counselor, but Wonderful Counselor. His teachings... His promises, his warnings, his commands, his admonitions, they're like light in our darkness. I like to get advice on things. I get advice on everything. Before I go to a new restaurant, I like to look up reviews. Before I purchase anything on Amazon, I like to look at reviews. Before I have a plumber come over, I like to look at reviews. I like to know what the experts think about things before I make any decisions. You, you probably do the same. You probably, when you have a problem in your home, you probably want to consult the experts. You probably, when you're feeling depressed or sad, you probably look to some experts about how to shake out of this season. Maybe you're dealing with a teenager that's difficult and driving you crazy. You might look to experts, friends, family, loved ones about how to deal with this situation. The expert to turn to on the largest questions in the world is Jesus. Jesus. 
He came to be our wonderful counselor. It is he and he alone who can give us answers to the questions that we ask, the ones that resonate deep in our soul. How can I know God? How can I face the reality of my death? How can I save my marriage? How can I be forgiven? How can I deal with the disappointment that I'm facing in my life? How can my life have real meaning and purpose? To those questions, Jesus has clear answers. They are not always the answers that we want to hear, but they are always true. They are always in our best interest. They are always wonderful. The child that we celebrate tonight, the one born in the manger in Bethlehem, is our wonderful counselor. He's not just a wonderful counselor, he's also mighty God. Again, look at that, those four titles, wonderful counselor, mighty God. When we gather together at Christmas, we don't just celebrate any baby born in any manger. We don't even just celebrate a very important person. We celebrate mighty God, that Jesus is mighty God, that, that God sent his son Jesus, who is God in and of himself, who came to earth in order to be light in our darkness. Many of us tonight feel helpless. We have maybe a ton of credit card debt. Maybe we don't want to look at our debt until we get into January. We're just worried about that bill then because Christmas has been so expensive. Some of us hate our jobs. Some of us have friendships that are broken. Some of us feel trapped by an illness that just, it just doesn't seem to get any better. All of the battles that we fight day in and day out are ultimately won by Jesus. When the Bible uses the word mighty, it is always the language that describes the all-powerful, awesome works of God. Jesus isn't just God. He is mighty God. He is more powerful than any problem that you are facing tonight. He is mighty God. In the midst of our battles and struggles, sometimes the Lord gives us victories, which points us to the reality that his power is truly limitless. And so we choose tonight to rejoice in him, to believe that the Jesus who was born in the manger is mighty God, the one who can remove the weights of our sins, the one who can make every problem that we are facing manageable because God, knowing Jesus, knowing he is mighty God, injects hope into the midst of our struggles. While we wait, while we struggle, the promise is that the mighty God will be with us. Giving us the inward peace that we so desperately need. Third, Jesus is called 
Not just wonderful counselor, not just mighty God, but everlasting father. This baby born in Bethlehem will be called everlasting father. If you've never seen the image of Rembrandt's great prodigal son, it's truly magnificent. It's cast in sort of the darkness and there's an image of the father whose son has returned home and the son is on his knees with his head buried in his father's chest. The father has his hands placed on the son. You can feel the weight of welcome, the weight of mercy in this image, the weight of a father welcoming home his estranged child. The the prodigal son in the Bible is us. And the hands of God our Father never stopped loving us. He welcomes us home and invites us to come home. Everyone in here has insecurities. We all do, myself included. And maybe we get really good at putting a brave face on them. Some of us look for ways to cover up our insecurities. Some of us have a strained relationship with our earthly father. Some of us here tonight are not sure if the person we're married to really loves us. Some of us feel like we go to work and we're just a cog in a machine. Some of us have wondered, if I die, is anyone going to care? Brothers and sisters, friends and family. The Bible proclaims that if we have a relationship with Christ, we can be totally sure that we are loved by God. Think for a second of the best father you've ever seen. Maybe you grew up and maybe your father wasn't that great, but maybe you knew someone who had a great father. When you see a good father fathering at their very best, it is only a glimpse of God's love for you. Some of us, tonight, we, we, we're here and we've just recently lost our father or our grandfather. Some of us here have never known our fathers, our earthly fathers. The Bible says that Jesus is our everlasting father. He is our father from this day forward forever and ever and ever. We must trust him. He is always there. Lastly, Jesus, the baby in the manger, he's not just the wonderful counselor. He's not just mighty God. He's not just everlasting father. He is also called the prince of peace. Jesus brings peace, a kind of peace that can exist in the midst of external circumstances feeling so chaotic. He is the prince of that peace. And the, and the scripture declares, Isaiah declares, there will be no end to his peace. He was born 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus died, he, he only had a few followers comparatively. Since the 
the death and resurrection of Jesus, his kingdom has only been growing. It is 2021, and today there are more Christians alive today than all of the Christians combined from the year Jesus was born all the way until the year 1900 put together. Now, some of you feel like, wait a second, feels like Christianity is on decline. Well, it is true that in much of the West, people have moved into a post-Christian post-light culture. But in every other major country outside of the West, Christian faith is growing. It is growing in China, growing in India, in the countries of South America, growing. And tonight we come together here in this particular place in Los Angeles, but we join together with Christians all over the world who are celebrating the God of the world whose kingdom knows no end. He is the God of the whole world, not just the God of middle America, not just the God of Los Angeles, not just the God of 2021. He is the God of all people in all places at all times. And he wants to be God and Lord of your whole life. If there are areas of your life where you do not want Christ to rule, Maybe it's in your friendships. Maybe it's in your free time. Maybe it's in your money. Maybe it's as it pertains to your sexuality. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe there are areas of your life where you say, yes, Jesus, you can be Lord of this area, but not that area. The Bible says that if we do that, every area that we, that we try to move away from him, there will only and always be conflict. But if he is governor and Lord of our lives, there will always be a kind of peace in the midst of that surrender. But if we choose to rule, if our posture before God is, I got it, Let me handle it. You worry about my salvation. I'll worry about whatever other area we want to section off from his lordship. There will only be conflict. 2022 is on the horizon. What's going to happen next year? The truth is, I have no idea. These last couple of years have taught us that the future It's very unpredictable. The future, 2022, what kind of challenges we'll face, what we'll go through? I mean, again, I have no idea. It's hard to know. And because it's hard to know, it can create feelings of anxiety and worry. It can make us feel unsettled. But the question for us tonight is not what does the future hold, but who holds the future? And the answer is that Jesus does. The child born in Bethlehem holds your future if you will allow him to. The child born in Bethlehem, the one who grew up and showed us what the kingdom was like, the one who died on a cross, the one who was buried 
And on the third day, the one who rose again and the one who proclaims that one day he will make all things right, that Jesus, he holds the future in the palm of his hands. And he is the reason we gather tonight to celebrate. Christmas morning, tomorrow morning, will be a moment of celebration. Christmas morning is a moment that changes everything for us, but it won't be found via Amazon. And it won't come to you. What you need most won't come to you in a present. Not one with a bow, anyway. It won't even be found in your family dynamic. The one you need most is the child born to us. The Son given to us. He is the light in the darkness. Here's how I want to end tonight. I just want to take a couple of moments. And I want you to just silently meditate maybe on one of those four titles. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Let's take a moment tonight and just pray that God would be real to us in one of those titles tonight. In one of those ways, he would become more real to us. Let us pause and let's turn to him, reflecting on these four names of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, how desperate we are for your light to break into the darkness, the darkness in our hearts, the darkness in our families, in our relationships, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our country, in our world. Lord, we desperately need your light in the midst of the darkness. Lord, the scriptures declare that you are light and that in you is no darkness at all. Lord, we need the light. And there's all kinds of places that we search for light. Help us tonight to focus on you. You who are the light of the world. Help us to focus, to celebrate, to rejoice, to sing out to Jesus who is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of peace. Let us rejoice in you tonight and in the midst of this season. Amen.